Hey everybody, this is Angela, and this is part two of Kai's story. The first part was pregnancy till birth, and the second part will be birth through getting out of the NICU. So let's get into it. This is Single Seeking Sperm. everybody welcome back um to part two of kai's story part one was heavy i know (laughs) um and part two is also heavy it's like a i don't know it's crazy i was talking to another nikki mom and um the birth trauma sometimes is like just as crazy as the nikki trauma that happens so it's hard to listen so there definitely is like trigger warnings needed and um so yeah trigger warning this is some NICU bullshit (laughs) that is gonna come and um there's a lot that goes into that so for all you NICU mamas I'm hugging you and squeezing you um for those that have brought babies home from the NICU and those who never got to bring babies home from the NICU. Um, you are seen, you are amazing, you are a mama, no matter what, or a daddy, <laughs> you know, for those dads that are listening to. Um, so yeah, uh, we left off where I was uh, given a little piece of paper that said that he was one pound, six ounces, and 12 or 12 and a half inches long. And he was on a ventilator so I was like when I got that news and I was also showing little feet like stamps of him little feet and hand stamps and I was like what the heck (laughs) this is crazy you know and um my sister was right by my side and she said he's beautiful and amazing and he's got a little bit of hair and all of this stuff and I wanted to go see him but I was in, in no um no place to do that at the time. I had just had major abdominal surgery, aka a C-section, and they wanted me to um, get up and walk and stuff before I go there um, and just make sure I was okay while they were making sure he was okay. And um, I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) So a crazy story though, like my epidural, um, when I, because I had to like keep, you have to well, I had to, I don't know if this is normal, but I had to keep the epidural in for 24 hours, I believe it was. And, um, it had, I had like a morphine drip or whatever, where I could just push a button and it would give me morphine at a certain amount of time or whatever. And, um, at one point I pushed a button and I felt wetness like all over my back. So I called the nurse to come in and she like quickly grabbed the tubing that was like going into my back. And she was like, oh my God, your tubing broke and this was about to be in your back and we would have probably needed another surgery to get it out. Um, so, oh God. So yeah, the tubing broke and almost went in my back and could have, you know, paralyzed me. So there's that, but it didn't, thank God. Um, so I just got put on, um, cause I had about eight hours left of it needing to be in there. Um, so they were giving me morphine like in an IV instead. Um, but that really, got me to like I was focusing on getting better and pumping to be honest like and I'm not going to get into the um the breastfeeding journey right now and pumping I was exclusively pumping but 
we will um, have an episode for that. And I know that's another very um, sensitive topic, especially amongst NICU moms who are stressed out and not producing and all of that. And I was I was hyper focusing on it because I had nothing else to focus on. So it was kind of like a uh, a, a trauma response, I guess. Um, so anyway, 24 hours later, I was able to go see Kai and he was um, all hooked up to all kinds of machines and he was in what they call an isolate, which is the incubator, <laughs> you know, and um, they were basically providing a uterus where my uterus failed. Um, and I say failed, which is probably not the right word, but I'm still working through that. Um, what had happened was um, they sent my placenta off for um, pathology to pathology and they really didn't find anything except for it had calcified, like it had gotten hard as a rock. Um, my doctor said that when he was cutting me open for the C-section, he had to like really, really try hard to get through that placenta because it was um, anterior, whatever, like it was just in the way or whatever it is. So he was like, it was hard, hard, <laughs> which is very weird. Um, but I do or did not as much anymore feel like my body failed me. I know that, but it, it's nothing I did or didn't do that made that happen. It happened in my body, but it's not something that I made happen. It was going to happen no matter what I did. So there's that. Um, and so now we're in the NICU and, um, he is fighting for his life. Um, he was having a lot of A, B's and D's like, um, basically DSATs, like his heart rate would fall and his breathing would stop and his, you know, like oxygen would go down. And there was like a lot of different things that were happening and it just kept happening. And there was so much beeping and it was very, very overwhelming at times. Um, after about, so he was on a ventilator for only seven days, which is amazing. He was on oxygen though for about three months. Um, we came off of, he was born May 28th. And he came off all oxygen on August 12th. So um, just two days before my birthday. Um, and we left out of the NICU September 21st. So we were in the NICU for 116 days. While in the NICU, he had, I think, four blood transfusions, um, which were very, very scary. He had some regression at times he would be doing really good and then he would be doing really bad um for all the new NICU moms that are maybe just listening to this and just getting in um there's about like the one week um honeymoon period they call it one or two weeks and then after that it just seems like everything goes wrong um it's shitty <laughs> it happens a lot though just know that and a lot of the babies pull through. Um, I'm not here to give like a bunch of false hope, but at the same time, there's so many situations that end up good too. Um, I currently have a friend who was at a hospital that she didn't love because they were not treating her right. Um, but she went to get a second opinion because they had sent her home with her son and claimed him terminal, like said that he would not live past one, basically. Um, and so she took him to a different children's hospital, um, Boston Children's Hospital. And now um, he just had a surgery and they, the prognosis is great. And um, he's still not out of the woods, but 
he's doing better and she's going to have more time with him. And it's just sometimes you just have to advocate. So um, although I'm not here to give a bunch of false hope, I'm also not here to like spread doom and gloom because like Kai, who was one pound, six ounces, 27 and one week and one day um, gestation, but stopped growing at 24 weeks from what they could tell. Um, technically stopped growing at like 22 weeks, but he grew a little from 22 to 24 weeks. So, um, but no growth after 24 weeks, but he was, he's doing great. He had no brain bleeds. He, um, only had a little bit of a like hole in the heart, which is normal. Um, he, that they believe closed. We're still doing follow-ups on that. He had some ROP issues, which is, um, like, preemies get it it's in their eyes and it's something that they watched and but he didn't he didn't end up needing surgery for thank god um it was just one miracle after the other with kai and we had a rather uneventful NICU stay and i'm just gonna be really honest with that like there's so many more other people that have had it so much worse than us um, even within the same gestation and like birth weight and all of that. So Kai is doing amazing. He, um, he has some, he had some delays. He didn't walk till later. He is in occupational and speech therapy, like I mentioned in the first episode. Um, but he is doing great. Um, there was a little scare with his hearing. Um, I carry the deaf gene and him being a micro preemie is a, um, concern so they are going to keep following up but we we actually did an abr test which is like a it's like when he's sleeping you know under anesthesia um and he passed that so that's good um but they just still want to keep an eye on him with the hearing um especially because he's he is delayed in speech but so i didn't talk till i was two either apparently and once i started talking i never stopped (laughs) I mean, that's what they all say. So, but whatever. Um, So we're just going to keep an eye on him and he is doing great. Um, What I want to talk about is like what I went through, through the NICU as a single mom by choice. Um, I was alone. Like my sister came for like the first week or two, but then she had to go home. Um, And with my, at my NICU, cause it was during COVID still there, you can only have two people on the list and you could only change it one time. And so I wanted to keep it her cause she was planning on coming back periodically. So I couldn't have any of my friends that were from Atlanta come to visit or whatever. So I was mostly up there alone. Um, there was the night nurses encouraged me to go home in a very subtle way. (laughs) Um, I, I really needed to do self-care, you know, and as I started doing self-care, that's when I started balancing myself out. Um, it was, it was a lot for me to do that because I just didn't want to leave his side, but I realized a healthy mom is a better mom for Kai. I can do more and advocate more and all of that. So I, so I did that. Um, but it was all about getting in a routine for me. Um, I was, I did the same thing every morning, every afternoon, every time. Like I, it, it just helped me to know. So they knew exactly when I would show up. They were worried if I didn't show up and I hadn't called and all of that. So it was, you know, wake up, pump, 
clean up the house, do some laundry, um, eat breakfast, go to Starbucks, get the Starbucks, and then go to the hospital. And I was at the hospital usually from about 12 o'clock till 7 o'clock or sometimes earlier, depending on if I ate breakfast or not. So um, but I was always there about eight hours a day, eight, eight to eight to 10 hours a day. Um, and I, I just would sit there with him, you know, and I, even though I couldn't hold him, like I couldn't hold him till that first week. And then even after that, there were times when he had to be under the, um, blue light special, uh, cause he was dealing with, um, where he was yellow. Gosh, I'm completely forgetting the name of it right now. You guys are like yelling it at me, I'm sure. But um, anyway, that and um, so it was a lot. I think one of the main um, triggering moments for me and the things that really messed me up the most was watching other babies not make it. Um, I can barely even say the word like pass away or die because it stresses me out to no end. So it's um, one of those things that there were three and they were right next to me. Two of the three were when I was in one um, specific cubicle or whatever. So the way that this hospital was set up is um, there was like the second floor was for the most critical. Like, so that was the NICU. Um, They called it like special care unit. And then you had like A, B, C, D, E, and they were like aisles, right? And then within those aisles, there was a um, a position you were in. And those those spots were only divided by a curtain, you know? And so there wasn't a ton of privacy. And you were kind of just in there with the curtain around you. And you could hear everything from the nurse's station to the what's going on with the baby next to you and all of that. So when two babies back to back and I'm talking within 24 hours of each other came into um, the position like the little spot right next to us it was the same spot each time and they didn't make it Um, there was one where it was very quick um, and they did not know I was in the spot with Kai at that time like I was in our um, why can't I think of the word I'm I don't want to say cubicle because it's not that but for some reason it's like whatever you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they didn't know I was there and they were like doing everything to save this baby's life. And then they had to call the parents and tell the parents it's time, you know, he's not going to make it and blah, blah, blah. And so I heard them do that and they said, we're just going to take him off support and then we'll bring him into you. And there was this room that they brought the babies into to kind of like have their last moments with their parents. And when the parents left, they're like, I just heard the nurses like, oh, okay, so do we um, shut off the vent first or do we take the, uh, do we take the, uh, the IVs out first? Like, I mean, it was all very clinical and very (laughs) normal for them, but not for me. And I was like, like shaking in the corner, literally. And I made eye contact with one of the nurses at the nurse station. And she was like, oh shit. (laughs) Like you could just tell she was like, oh shit, like, why is she here? (laughs) You know, like they thought that they had gotten, but it all happened so fast. And so I was like, I whispered to her, I want to leave, take me out, like get me out of here. But I 
like I would have to to go out the front way. I would have had to go um, right past the baby and everything, and then past the um, past the room where they would take the the baby. And I did not want to do that, so I asked them to take me out the back. Um, so they took me out the back, and it was like a whole thing. And I was I went to the pumping room and like broke down in tears. And the doctor came in and was like you were not supposed to see that. I am so incredibly sorry. I thought that the nurses had cleared the room, you know, like that is just know that baby's circumstances are completely different than your circumstances. And, you know, your baby Kai is okay. Like he is not showing any signs of any of that. He's, he's doing great. And I was like, did you I was like great so um that took a while to recover from and then the next day um another baby came in to that same spot right next to me and um I ran into the parents um in the hall and the dad was like said that um his son had been born with no kidneys and he was like have you ever heard of that happening and it and then making it and I just need a good testimony and all this stuff and God said that this is our promise like this is our promised son and all this and I was like like it was like giving me really bad anxiety you know like I didn't know what to say and they had kind of put me in a position and I don't I don't blame them you know like they're just grasping for straws all they want is for their son to make it you know and and I want their son to make it. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I was like, I just, I don't know. And I kind of like walked away. Like it was very awkward and I felt bad, but I had to like protect my, my own peace, you know, at that time. And, um, so I was sitting there and they called the chaplain in and the chaplain baptized the baby and it was a whole thing. And they were praying and they were praying loud and they let the grandparents come in. And I was like, okay, I got to get out of here again. And so I left and, um, immediately I went to the charge nurse and said, I need to be moved. I don't even care if no other babies come into that position. I can't be here in this position right now. Like I need to be in a different spot. And they were like, okay, okay, we get it. We get it. This doesn't usually happen. We're really sorry. So they moved me. And then um, not that day, but the next day, right, like two positions down from me, another baby passed. But like, they were very good at warning me. The doctor came over. They said, you might want to leave. Like, so it was way better protocol at that point. Um, and it was at that point where the charge nurse directed me towards a um, therapist. <laughs> and that was like what saved me. Um, there is so much I can say to that, but I will tell it, it was covered under like Kai's um, and my Medicaid at the time or whatever, just because, okay, so because Kai was such a preemie, like a micro preemie, he automatically qualifies for Medicaid um, federally, like federal Medicaid for until he's like, I don't even know, but old, older, might be 18, might be five. I don't know. I probably need to look into that, but I know it's covered while in his developmental stages. Um, and so because I was within six months of having him, I was covered too. Excuse me. And so I was, it, my um, mental health therapy was like completely covered under that. And that was amazing. So for you moms, just, just do it. Just get one. 
I mean, I did it virtually. I didn't have to go anywhere. I could do it at the hospital anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it was so amazing. And I'd never been in therapy before, but it is like, it got me through it. They got me on meds. They got me on, you know, like, cause there's not just postpartum. Now you're doing postpartum with birth trauma, with NICU trauma. Like there's so many things like you do not have to be strong. Like everybody's like, oh my God, I don't know how you do it. You're so strong. I was so fucking weak, y'all. Like I, I know it came off as strong, but the only reason was because I had support and help and I took care of my own mental health and I had to make that a priority as well. And so there are so many things that happened that could have made this spiral, but I chose to take care of my mental health and I firmly believe that that therapist saved my life. <laughs> you know, like there is so much I could go into with that with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, which I had both. Um, and we will get more into that, you know, but I just wanted to say that it is okay to be like, as a NICU mom to feel like you're absolutely spiraling out of control, because it's okay to feel like that if you're not a NICU mom, if you're just like a new mom, and you're like, what the actual fuck is happening? Like, I have to keep this baby alive on my own. Like, when Kai came home from the hospital after 116 days, and I was so excited, and he was, he came home on a, um, on a NG tube, which is like a feeding tube at his nose for overnight feedings. He had a heart monitor on him that would constantly going off like all of this. And I was just like, oh my God, like without the medication I was on, <laughs> I really don't know how I would have done it. And I was so excited for him to come home. And when I tell you sheer terror went through my body when they pushed me out of the hospital doors in a wheelchair because you still had to be wheelchaired out I was like wait a minute now I have to keep him alive and just 20 seconds ago an entire nursing staff was keeping him alive like wait a minute I'm not ready for this and I can only imagine I can only fucking imagine what it would be like to have a baby and two days later be sent home with an entire human being and be like, hey, good luck. Keep him alive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It just doesn't seem right. You know, like we have no postpartum benefits. We are like the clock's ticking now that you've had the baby. As soon as that baby comes out of your like body, now you have to you have 12 weeks unpaid. Like that is what the US, United States like gives us. You know, it's a benefit if like the um, you should feel lucky if the company you work for actually pays you, you know, but like that is not required. So and now you have to just keep this human alive while recovering from like either pushing an entire baby out your vagina or having it cut out of your stomach. So um, and even worse, if you don't come home with a baby and now you have to just go back because you know, they're like, okay, we'll take a couple weeks, but you're not taking care of a baby. So you should be fine. You know, like that is some, woo, that's some fuck shit. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Kai came home and he just, you know, after about a week, I pulled that NG tube out. I was like, you're doing fine. <laughs> and he's been doing good. You know, he's developing. He's um, just the most perfect little kid ever. And he turns two in a couple weeks on the 28th. And I'm so excited for that. And I just, I don't know, doing this alone 
was definitely a challenge. You know, going through the NICU journey and having a micropremie as a single mom by choice was a huge challenge. But my little Instagram people and my just my social media following and whatnot helping me and buying every single gift on my gift registry before I could even share it with my like my people, my in real life people, they bought everything and took care of me and I showed up to home and there was just boxes and boxes of Amazon gifts and stuff that people had sent for Kai and um because I never got a baby shower like to this day I've never had a baby shower um and I'm good I mean I'm one and done so I'm good (laughs) but it was like a surprise baby shower to show up and all those gifts were there so if you were one of those I thank you so much I did not get around to sending thank yous because I mean, I was dealing with a NICU journey at the time. Um, but I am very, very grateful. And for all those that have recently bought Kai, um, birthday presents through his little gifts, his little pres, uh, birthday thing, birthday list on Amazon. Thank you for that too. And I don't know, I, um, the NICU journey. Yeah, it was crazy, but you know, I am very grateful for the staff and everything. And, we go to the little Nikki reunions at the zoo here every year, and that's great. Um, I just encourage you to, if you are dealing with that right now, just get a community around you. Find those that understand and reach out to me if you need to. Um, I'm a single mom by choice, all one word on Instagram or single seeking sperm. The E and sperm is a three because Instagram be like trifling me. So, <laughs> um, But you can look me up and connect with me on there and I would love to talk. And yeah, so that's it. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface, but we have a whole podcast and, you know, lots of episodes down the road to cover more. And but I really appreciate you guys all for listening. And this is Angela signing off from Single Seeking Sperm.